I mean, we got to keep the men around for something, right? Yeah, there's a couple things I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Janessa McKenzie, a business mindset coach and brand strategist, and I help online experts like you stop self-sabotaging their success and unapologetically build a badass personal brand that makes marketing and sales easy. It's my mission to show you how to become who you were created to be so you can share your talents with the world, make a difference, and create the income and impact you desire. So if you're ready to end your battle with self-sabotage, regain your kick-ass confidence, and create a business and life of your dreams, listen up as I hit the BS button on the notion that hustle and hard work are all it takes to be successful, and mix the woo with the strategy to help you create the mindset, messaging, and visibility you need to attract the clients and cash that you want, while unapologetically building a powerful brand from the inside out. Now let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Janessa and I am here today with Alex Brashears and she is a private lender for real estate investors and she works with uh, a lot of military, military spouses uh, and helps them with borrowing for their investment properties and she advocates for women to be involved in real estate as owners and investors. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. So Alex, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm excited to talk about this because I know that, you know, in, in a lot of not just real estate, but in a lot of male dominated industries, women, you know, can feel like they are, um, for lack of a better word, I guess, maybe intimidated by going into these, um, these spaces and think that, you know, maybe sometimes it's going to be harder for them to be successful because it's so male dominated. Oh, absolutely. And, And real estate is no exclusion to that at all. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's not. I, you know, it's funny because I have looked into like, God, for years, like I've just kind of poked around real estate, looked at different ways. And, you know, Dean Graziosi, do you know who he is? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so I have like, you know, listened to him and done some stuff and I'm like, okay, well, you know, for me, the barrier seems to be like money. Like I could care less that there's a bunch of dudes in there, right? Like <laughs> I don't, that right, to, right. to me that doesn't bother me, but I know that I'm sure it bothers a lot of women. Um, thinking that, especially like single women, thinking that you know, okay, well, this is what I want to do, and how much harder they're going to have to work to be successful in these spaces. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's partly from like an upbringing standpoint, if you think, you know, women are taught to, you know, you're supposed to support and take care of those around you, you know, from a very early age, it's, you know, take care of your brothers, you know, if you especially I'm the oldest, so it was always, you know, take care of your younger siblings, take care of your brother, you know, once I got to drive, I was essentially just mom's taxi, taxi and junior. Um, mm. So I mean, you're always, you know, kind of expected to have these roles where, 
you're supporting other people, you know, and that's just kind of the way we're programmed. Um, and so I think when women enter the workforce, they don't naturally, you know, by majority, don't naturally look for those positions of leadership because from a very early age, they're always taught, you know, here's the support roles, here's what you do well. You know, you're, you're a great wife if you're able to stay home and cook and, you know, do the 1950s thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like there's not a lot of conversation on the other side of the table that's positive, you know, because if you're, if you're seen as an assertive woman, you know, then you're bossy or you're bitchy or, you know, something like that. And it's like, no, that's just, you know, if I'm doing the same behaviors like I would be, you would call a guy assertive. Whereas yeah. just because I'm doing it suddenly, you know, it's because I have red hair and I'm bitchy, you know, so it's, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of the culture that we're brought up in, in, in America, um, yeah. just, you know, both from men and from women, because our expectations are kind of guided by what we're brought up with. So if men are brought up with this idea that, you know, we're here for support roles and, you know, somebody will bring us coffee or, you know, whatever it happens to be, or we might be a little too touchy feely for this particular real estate deal. You know, if we're siding with the tenants, for example, you know, we're too soft, you know, because we're a woman or something like that. You know, whereas I feel like that difference of opinion, that difference in values, that difference in upbringing can actually be harnessed to help create a very cohesive and diverse team that can actually make the whole team more successful. It's just, so it's not like, let's everybody be the same. It's more like, why, how can we use these differences in a complementary way? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that gets looked at often enough either, you know, in, in any space, right? Like absolutely. Sometimes we will hire team members and, you know, we're like, oh, well, they're to this or they're to that. Well, okay. How, you know, instead of just, you know, being like, oh, they're not working out. I mean, granted, they're not working out. They're not working out. But if, instead of just, you know, writing them off completely the first time you don't feel like something was done right or said right or whatever, you know, maybe instead look at that person, talk to them and find out what their, you know, strengths are, what their weaknesses are. I mean, we should be doing that before we hire, but some people don't. So this is just a good lesson in that as well, that a team is a team because people are different. Absolutely. And, and there's value in that difference. And, it, you know, it's kind of natural, you know, we want to go with what we know and the thing we know the best is ourselves. So we're obviously going to look for other people that are similar to us in some fashion. Um, and while that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's good to have some of that diversity mixed in where you have, you know, some, some disagreeing arguments, you know, you have some things where it's like, no, this is the way I view it, or this is my expectations of it, or that was my take on it. And that can really be, you know, bring a team up to another level because they're able to see a wider audience because obviously everybody's selling to somebody else and you want yeah. to be able to have, you know, a good idea of who your avatar is, who your audience is. But yeah. if everybody on your team is, you know, a white heterosexual male, you know, ha what's, how much does that limit your audience? You know, because, you know, minority groups might not want to listen to an entire panel of white heterosexual men. You know, a lot right. of women might not want to listen to an entire panel of that either. So if you have a wide variety of people represented, male, female, minority, or otherwise, you know, you, you open up that audience to your message. Yeah. And, and you know, just the opposite too, right? You, um, a bunch of men may not want to listen to a panel of all females. Right. Right, exactly. 
So yeah, I totally see, you know, both sides of that. So having somebody that represents every part of, you know, as much as you can of uh, many different audiences is definitely beneficial in any space. Absolutely. And it's yeah. not even necessarily, you know, do, do, do the people on the panel, do the people on your team look like your audience? It's more a matter of can they connect with your audience in a real way? You know, can they, yeah. do they understand the struggles? Do they understand the cultural differences? Do they understand the biases? Those sorts of things. So it's not necessarily diversity for diversity's sake in, in terms of looks. It's a matter of getting that perception of that audience and making them understand that you understand that perception. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said that better. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about passive real estate investing. Oh, it's, I could be here all day, but uh, <laughs> I absolutely love it. And the way, so first I will start this by, I look at passive and active a little bit different than other people traditionally look at it. So, you know, the traditional form is you're an active investor, so you're involved in there on the job. If you're doing fix and flips, um, you might be the one swinging the hammer. Mm -hmm. You might be the one finding the contractors. Um, and then passive is a little more like, yeah, you don't have to show up at the job site. You just let your money work for you. Mm -hmm. And my sort of perception and passive and active is that passive allows me to be as involved as I want to. And active means I have to be involved. I don't have a choice. And one's not necessarily better than the other, but just my lifestyle, my goals fit better with being a passive investor. So mm -hmm. I can still be as active as I want in my time commitments and my physical abilities, uh, my geography, because obviously as a military spouse, we move every two years. The longest I've lived anywhere is 22 months mm -hmm. um, in the last 20 years. So, you know, being able to have that flexibility is, is super crucial, absolutely crucial. And yeah. I, the reason I chose private lending for real estate is, you know, going back to that, you know, who's not represented, you know, what part of real estate's not represented. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just not naturally a very competitive person. I'm a very collaborative person. You know, let's come together. Let's figure out how we can do this to get to a common goal. And a lot of the, you know, quote unquote active real estate is, you know, doing the fix and flips and doing the buy and holds and you're in a, in a bidding war at the auction steps, or you're in a bidding war with a realtor and a broker um, or you're trying to, you know, talk to a seller that might be in a distressed situation, you know, divorce, death, you know, all that sorts of thing, you know, and that's, that tends to be a very competitive field. And that's just not something that plays to my strengths. Also yeah. in that, in that active role, you know, if you get a phone call that a property has just hit the market or you get a phone call that you have a distressed seller, you know, that just really wants this property gone, grandma's house is just, you know, all the stuff's out. They just need to get it gone today. You have to deal with it in that moment. So, you know, there's, it's much harder to kind of balance in a family life, a home life. You know, if you happen to be working a job also, you know, it's, you're going to go tell your boss, wait, hold on. You know, I, I need to take this phone call. It's, it's someone whose you know, grandmother died and I need to buy their house like right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. most bosses aren't going to go with that. So, you know, whereas you're doing private lending, you know, rarely is it ever an emergency that I need to take this phone call right now. You know, if someone, you build a relationship with your potential borrowers and you let them know, you know, the type of property that you lend on, um, you know, what you're looking for, what the area is, you know, which lien position you have all these kind of things and you just kind of slowly get to know the investor. And then when they have property, they're like, Oh, you know what? I got this place under contract. 
I've been talking to Alex. This is definitely the type of property she likes to lend on. Let's give her a call. Let's shoot her a text, you know, and it could be two or three hours before I get back to them and say, oh yeah, you know, send me over the numbers. I'll take a look. So mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I can do at my pace, you know, when I'm willing and able to do it. And that to me is far more valuable than, you know, trying to, you know, go out and chase, you know, doubling my money in 30 days, you know, on a flip or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, it is going to be a lower level of return, but to me, it's a safer level of return because I'm on the debt side of the equation. And for anybody who's ever, you know, cut a mortgage payment, you know, through from their checking account every month, the first person you pay is the debt on the house. You know, so even the investor, when they go to the closing table to sell the property, I'm paid before the investor ever does anything. You know, he's, mm -hmm. the mortgage has to be paid. Um, so, you know, I kind of pay for, you know, the returns, I have lower risk, so I'm going to have relatively lower returns, but I also don't necessarily have that downside either. You know, they're going to owe the mortgage one way or the other. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm following this trail. So you have relationships with people who will flip a house. Is that right? Yes. Currently we are funding, we are funding only fix and flips uh, just because we're a little uncertain with where the market's going to be going, um, you know, with the prolonged effects of COVID on the economy. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a little worried about the unemployment numbers just kind of being hidden, you know, thanks to various metrics and the way they, they account for the unemployment numbers. Um, mm -hmm. I think the unemployment number is actually much higher, if not double, than, than what the, you know, talking heads like to say on TV. So <laughs> I'm a little worried about the the asset prices as a whole in real estate, you know, and at some point you also have to do the math. Interest rates have to go up. We can't keep interest rates at this level and not just have a, have spiral out of control inflation. So, you know, obviously when interest rates rise, assets prices get increased. So being in something that in a long-term fashion is not really in our interest right now. Um, whereas, you know, fix and flips inventory is very low for homes for sale in a lot of parts of the country. Um, you know, people are not moving as much, you know, we're fortunate here in Hampton Roads, you know, the military makes us move. So that kind of bakes in a certain amount of buyers and sellers every year, just because of the military moving people in and out here through the various military installations. Uh, but in a lot of places, even here, you know, prices are rising through COVID, you know, houses are on the market on MLS literally hours with multiple bids, you know, multiple offers put on them. Um, so I feel like that's just a little bit safer to, to fund right now than doing something that's going to be a buy and hold, you know, rental situation. Yeah. So you will lend. So do you lend them like all of the money? We will lend traditionally on about 70 to 75% of what the uh, house would appraise for once it's fully fixed up. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting because like, I didn't know there were people like you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny thing that is truthfully, that is kind of the, the curse and the saving grace of being in this business. Uh, because if you think about like, there's a big forum, uh, a lot of your listeners might have heard of bigger pockets you know, they're big in, you know, business and real estate. And it's, it's a great place, a great resource to go and get information. And, you know, they're kind of their big investing focus tends to be a lot of real estate, you know, and they have books, you know, they have entire manuals about how to 
figure out what the cost of these repairs are going to be. They have entire books on how to be a landlord. They have books on fix and flip and all these various things, but there's not a book about how to be a private lender. Literally the only way they mention private lending is they say, go find a private lender to help fund your deals. Exactly. The conversation stops there. Um, so when I, I actually started a Facebook group because there were so few resources out there, educational resources about private lending, like how do you get started? What questions to ask? Where do you find borrowers? How do you vet borrowers? How do you do due diligence on the properties? There's so many different aspects that just are not really talked about in any sort of educational forum. So when I started the group, it was honestly kind of as a pet project. I was like, oh, you know, I'm sure somebody will find this information useful. And then a week later, we had 100 people. And now about two months later, we have 650 people. I'm like, okay, I guess we're making a go of this. You know, yeah. <laughs> there was that level of demand for, for the information. You know, it was just people are like, oh, wait, you know, there's finally somewhere I can go where I can literally talk to other people that are doing this. I can talk to people that are thinking about doing this, you know, and then the active investors have an avenue to talk to the private money lenders and say, what are you looking for, you know, in a borrower? What are you looking for in property? Um, so it really just kind of trying to pull it slowly out of the shadows because it's normally not something talked about, you know, and if you just go and tell someone, like you mentioned, you know, you, you kind of kick the tires a little bit about, you know, I want to invest in real estate. And usually there's only two things that come to mind when someone says they want to invest in real estate. They're either going to put, you know, do the HGTV, you know, farmhouse sink in a really ugly house flip kind of thing, or they're going to do, you know, the buy and hold and they're going to be a landlord. And that's the only two things that are usually ever presented to new investors. Um, mm -hmm. And I, there's just, for anybody that's in real estate, you realize that's kind of like, you know, the rolls and the fried rice at the very beginning of the buffet, you know, that's mm -hmm. the cheap high carb, you know, fill up your stomach food. Yeah. And then like the crab legs are down at the end of the buffet, you know, all the good <laughs> stuff is once your plate is full, you know, that's when you get to the crab legs and the shrimp is down at the end of the buffet. So that yeah. I kind of feel like it's almost like a hazing, like they make you go through being a landlord, they make you go through dealing with contractors, and then they open up the doors and go, here's all these 600 other ways you can invest. And I've met, you know, through the group, I've met people that are new to investing. And when I talk to them, they're like, you know, everything you say about private lending is what I'm looking for. I don't have time to deal with contractors. I don't have the patience to deal with tenants, but I do have some capital that I can lend out and help other people and be collaborative. And that fits my personality so much more than these other two things that have been the only thing presented to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, I'm going to kind of flip this just a little bit and say, okay, sure. there's somebody looking for an investor, right? Because when I was doing my research, which didn't go far because of exactly what you said, like you there, you look for more information and it's like, there's like the road ends and it's like this brick wall yep. and you're like, what the heck? Right? Like there's gotta be other ways. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So if somebody is looking for an investor, like what do they need to bring to you? for you to be like, heck yes, I'm in. So generally what I advocate is getting to know the people that are in your real estate community, um, talking to friends and family and letting them know, look, I'm interested in getting invested in real estate and this is what I want to do. And here's the type of properties I want to acquire. 
and here's the cash flow on a monthly basis I'm looking for, or here's, you know, the amount of uh, money I want to make off each flip. So it's just literally, it just, it sounds so simple. It sounds so stupid, but it's just talking to people and getting the message out there that this is something you're interested in doing. Mm -hmm. And then one, you can run into other investors and other investors will go, Oh, you know what? I know someone who's, who's funded some of my deals before. I don't really have anything for them right now, you know, but they might be interested in funding something of yours. Um, you know, and it just literally starts that way with just making a connection. And the thing a lot of people don't realize about private lending these days, you know, we live in the instant gratification nation where you can swipe right and, you know, have a date tomorrow night <laughs> and, you know, private lending doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. you have to think, you know, private money is private because we have been able to save it from our W2 jobs, from our other investments. Mm -hmm. So we are literally giving you our funds to purchase this property. So that's not going to be a relationship that happens over a 20 minute phone yeah. call. You know, that's going to be something where, you know, we're going to want to get to know you. We're going to want to see what your risk tolerance are. We want to see what your moral character is like, you know, what's your compass, you know, as far as, you know, handling different challenging situations, are you going to shirk back and go, Oh, I'm the victim. Or are you going to step forward and go, look, I didn't realize that, but I'm going to fix it. And here's how I'm going to fix it. So yeah. that takes time to develop. So that's why I always advocate people, you know, if using private money as part of your business plan, that's really a conversation you need to start before you even go on to look for property. Because for example, I only fund uh, deals that are in my immediate market because I know this area pretty well. I can go and drive by the property. You know, I can do the numbers. I have local contacts with, you know, inspection companies and things like that. Whereas if somebody just messages me out of the blue and they go, what's your rates? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's my rates? You know, you're in Texas. I don't even lend in Texas. Yeah. You know, if we had started with that conversation, I could have, I could have started there and say, I don't lend in Texas. Um, right. You know, so yeah. it's just a matter of, you, you want to make sure the person you're talking to lends the type of deals that you're looking for. Yeah. And, you know, if, if they don't, you can go, okay, you know, just like you did, you know, what type of property you lend on? I only lend on fix and flips because I don't want to lend on buying holds right now. I don't want to lend on rentals okay, why don't you want to lend on rentals? If, if rental was part of kind of your thought process and then you have someone going, I'm not going to lend on that, you know, that might be valuable information. That might be valuable insight. Go, okay, what are you seeing that maybe I'm not seeing? Why aren't you lending on rentals? You don't have to just shut down the conversation and go, okay, great, you know, thanks. Good to know you, you know, and, and move on. You can have a conversation with them and go, okay, that's really interesting. What are you seeing, you know, on, on, in the market to say, you're not willing to lend on this. So there can still be a lot of value in talking to someone, even if they don't lend in your market, don't lend on the type of property you're looking to acquire. Um, you know, maybe the timeline's different. For example, a lot of my loans are only out three to six months. Um, and maybe you want a loan that's a little bit longer. And I can tell you why I don't do loans that are a little bit longer. So there's still value in talking to people. Um, so what I usually tell people is take advantage of this COVID time. You know, everybody's stuck home. Everybody's got a Zoom account. You know, go ahead and hop on a Zoom account with somebody or call and just say, you know, here's what I'm interested in doing, but I'm not sure how to do it. You look like you're one or two steps ahead of me. Are there any advice, any tips that you could give me as a newer person a little bit further back in the past to get to where you are? And on most of the people in real estate that I've run into, and maybe that's just what I'm attracting, but those people are very collaborative. They're very willing to help. They're very willing to go, you know what? I have an attorney that would be great to answer this question. Let me connect you. I have someone that, that, that loans out of 401ks and they've done it before. Let me connect you. There's always been somebody 
that's like, you know, how can I help you? How can I connect you? What do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely, I think, one of the things that most people are probably afraid they're not going to find, right? That exactly. Jump, you know, and it's really just a matter of asking. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and they're yeah, exactly. I know. Sometimes we make things so more, much more difficult on ourselves than we need to. But yeah. So now, okay. So we talked about the other end. So if somebody were to come to you, so tell me about what it means to, I, I mean, I, we went over what it means to be a passive investor, but there's definitely more to that, you know, with like, how did you get into it? So I, so actually it's kind of funny story. Um, I'm a, I'm actually a chemistry professor by trade and then, you know, COVID moved everything online, at least at the university that I teach for. Uh, so I was home a whole lot more, you know, I used to have an hour commute each way, you know, mm -hmm. going to and from work stuck in traffic and, you know, COVID did me a favor and now I don't drive anywhere. Yeah. And I just, I kind of had these extra hours on my, on my hand, you know, summer semester, I don't teach. So I didn't have any classes and I really had a lot of time on my hands and also being an extrovert, uh, you know, stuck inside with just my spouse, you know, love him to pieces, but he's not a talker. So, you know, I'm just like, I'm going crazy. So I started joining some of these, you know, virtual networking groups and I joined some of the local real estate groups um, here in Hampton Roads. And, I literally just started talking to people and bumping into people, you know, digitally, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And then when COVID kind of full blown hit, some of the hard money lenders literally shut their doors. They just said, you know, I know we had a deal that was supposed to be funded, you know, next week, but you know, sayonara, we're going, we're, we're lights out because they were that uncertain in the direction of the market. They weren't lending on anything. And one of my contacts here locally, you know, he just happened to have one of these deals in his pipeline, you know, it was supposed to close about the end of March. And then here in Virginia, the world shut down about the middle of March. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was, we just happened to be talking at a networking event and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to let this deal go because it's supposed to close by the end of March and my hard money loan dried up. And, and I was like, oh, well, tell me about it. And lo and behold, it happened to be the exact type of property I wanted to lend on. He was the exact type of borrower I wanted to work with. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's talk. Let's see if we can make the numbers work. And we did. And, you know, two weeks later, we were funding the deal and off we were going. And, uh, you know, way back when, back before college, I'd been a hard money loan broker. I'd been a conventional mortgage broker, um, you know, a lot of time for my undergraduate education because, again, I wanted that flexibility. So, you know, I could go and meet with clients, you know, when I wasn't in class, I could work on the loan applications, I could talk to the lenders as a broker, um, all these different things. I was always looking for that flexibility, because I always have multiple things going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was always one of those someday dreams, you know, everybody has one of those someday dreams, at least one. And that was one of my, you know, one day I was going to be a hard money loan lender, you know, I was going to get back to that, you know, I had seen I'd worked in the office and I was a broker. So I kind of seen, you know, the books of it, so to speak, you know, the, the dollars and cents side of it. And I'm like, you know, this just makes so much more sense. You know, they, they don't necessarily need to make a killing, but you know, they're in a very secure spot. The money's constantly rolling over from deal to deal to deal. It's always at work. And, you know, again, they have that flexibility aspect to it. And I, you know, COVID shut the world down and made life really small. And I'm like, hey, this opportunity presented itself. It's time for me to step up and, and start doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
what kind of roadblocks have you come up against? Uh, largely, it has been access to capital, believe it or not, within a couple of weeks, um, you know, kind of being out there and having our name out there as, as being able to to fund deals. I mean, all of our cash was deployed in three weeks. And wow. it was just a matter of, okay, now what? So we just kind of sit there and we're like, okay, and this was obviously during, you know, kind of the height of COVID is when we started this. So the banks were extremely busy with already established businesses, you know, trying to do the, the PPP loans and all these other types of small SBA loans and trying to mm -hmm. keep the businesses that were already established, you know, up and afloat. So they were not, you know, super welcoming to say, hey, you know what, come on down, let's give you a business loan too. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of, you know, ran to a roadblock with capital because, you know, they, they're, they're still up to their eyeballs and, and things to do dealing with the PPP program. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the other small business programs that have been set up through the CARES Act. So that's been our, our biggest, our biggest kind of hurdle to come over. And fortunately, our loans are, are short term. So we've already had two that have kind of done a full cycle. So we've had the funds come back in, and then the funds have been deployed again. So it's just a matter of getting that timing with the borrowers and the deals coming up. And, and fortunately, I'm in a position where I have, you know, a couple really trusted investors, really experienced investors. So I don't generally need to go out and look for additional investors mm. uh, because they have, they have more than enough deals to keep me occupied. Awesome. So I have, I have all I can take. Um, and then honestly, that after that full, you know, that scurry of talking to the attorney and getting the LLC set up and getting the bank account set up and, you know, all these other things that have to be done at the startup of the business, you know, then you kind of look around and you're like, okay, now what, you know, there's like, yeah. there's nothing else to do, you know, <laughs> I had vetted the deals and vetted the borrowers. The cash has been deployed. It's, it's earning interest. And it's like, now what do we do? And that's honestly where the, the start of the Facebook group started because I was like, okay, you know, there's, I talked to so many people that are like, you know, I, I don't even know where to start to look for a private money lender. I don't even know how to start the conversation. Even if I found one, you know, it's one of those like yeah. teenage boys and teenage girls trying to talk to each other again. It's like, how do we learn? How do we do this? Um, I mean, that's really kind of the level of awkwardness. I have some of the new investors approach me and it's like, look, just calm down, take a deep breath. We're just having a conversation. Nobody's marrying anybody at this point, you know, just deal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you it's, think, it's really been a very fun forum. Yeah. Do you think that that has to do with the whole fact that this is all around money, like people's money mindset? I, I think a money mindset is a large component of it because generally talking about money is kind of a taboo topic for a lot of people. Mm. You know, we, we just personally, I read, I read somewhere in an article that most people know more about their friends' sex lives than they do about their financial lives. And yeah. I thought, oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know we're, true, we're free, yeah. like we will throw we will throw like little sex toys parties with friends, but no one's going to come over and go, all right, everybody, let's put together a budget and let's see how well we stick to it next month. You know, nobody's doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or let's, let's like show each other our bank accounts over wine. Like, yeah. No. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's just, there's just generally not that, that level of sharing with finances. And it, especially I think for women, especially in real estate, it's really hard to go up to someone and say, you know, I need help because they don't want to look like they're fools. They don't want to ask stupid questions. You know, they, yeah. they want to kind of walk in prepared, knowing everything. And then, you know, kind of come, that's kind of where we gain our place of confidence is, you know, we know what we know and we know it really well, but when we're trying something new, 
that tends to be a big hurdle because it's like, you know, we, there's some things you just can't know until you experience it. You know, you can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts you want, but until you're kind of in the moment and doing it, that's when you're the real learning, in my opinion, happens. Yeah. So that's why I always advocate, you know, reaching out and talking to people. And yes, I know I'm married to an introvert. There's those people out there. It's like, I'm not talking to anybody. No, (laughs) even if you pay me, I'm not talking to people. And so, you know, that's where I'm like, okay, then talk to one new person a week. You know, talking to quote unquote people sounds like a lot, but just talk to one new person, one person that you didn't know before that week. Just reach out. It could be via chat on, you know, Facebook Messenger, just something. So you have someone else in your network that's either going through what you're going is like I said, maybe a couple steps ahead of you in the investing process yeah. or even owning a business um, and just have a conversation with them and go, you know, what are you struggling with? Um, you know, what are your biggest challenges? What's been easy? What's been hard? What did you do in this situation? And that really creates an opportunity to just connect and network with people. I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but I mean, it's just, it's a matter of you're reaching out to another human and talking to them on a very human level. And a lot of people love to talk about themselves. So the second you, you know, strike up a conversation, tell me about yourself and tell me about your business, you're going to be like, oh, honey, sit down and grab some wine because we're going to be here for a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I totally get that, you know, whole asking for help thing, because I think that's a big hurdle for a lot of people, whether you're in business or not, especially women. Yes. You yes. know, because we, we think we're supposed to be the fixers of everything. So, or, you know, like you said, the, the person that takes care of everybody else. So if we're yes. not, if we don't know how to do that, then it, we feel weak or um, like silly or like, I should know that stupid. Maybe like, we're just like, well, well I'm dumb. Like, I don't know how to do that, but yes. You know, I mean, and like you said, you can read all the books. It's like, you know, swimming or riding a bike. Like if you read a book about how to swim or how to ride a bike, you, you know, technically know in your brain how to do it. Right. But if you haven't actually done it yet, then you really don't know how. Exactly. I mean, you can read about swimming all you want, but until you get thrown in the deep end, that's when you're going to learn real quick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So what are some tips or, you know, that you would give someone that is, you know, women right now that are saying, oh, I want to know more about this. Like, how do I? I absolutely, I always, always advocate um, reaching out to other women that are doing whatever it is you want to do. So whether it's private lending, whether it's doing fix and flips, whether it's be a contractor, whether it's be a business owner, you know, whatever bookkeeping, whatever you want to do. Um, Because like I mentioned, especially in real estate, by and large, everybody has been very collaborative, very helpful, very friendly. Um, The other thing I can recommend is looking for mastermind groups or some sort of mentor group, because that's going to bring that accountability. So if you go and say, you know, I want to have a rental, you know, I want to be a landlord, I want to have a rental in the next 12 months, you know, that's great. But there's 9000 little steps you need to do before you get to the closing table and put tenants in your property. Yeah. And it's a matter of, you know, breaking down that process, that big goal, breaking down that process, and then taking, okay, this week, 
I'm going to contact four brokers and let them know I'm looking for this type of property. And then you can go back to your accountability group or your mastermind group and say, this is my goal for the week. And then, you know, if it's a good group, they're going to hold your feet to the fire and they're going to say, did you contact four brokers this week? No, you know, well, the kids got sick and, you know, and then my mother-in-law came in town. No, that wasn't the question. The question I asked was, did you contact four brokers this week? You know, and it's really, and it sounds so simple and, you know, in reality, it probably is, but it's breaking those habits of, you know, I say I'm going to do something and then, it, you know, maybe three, four weeks later, it's still not done. Um, and that's a matter that that's men, women, that's everybody. And yeah. so I think really, if you want to, you know, speed up any sort of success, successful process, learn anything quicker than the average, you know, human being, having that accountability and having that mentor it's just absolutely invaluable. Um, there's a lot of really good mastermind groups out there. You know, they're relatively low cost. You know, for example, I'm in one that's $15 a month. I'm in another one that's $50 a month. Yeah. And, you know, we meet weekly and we do those sorts of things where we're setting goals and they don't all, they're not all real estate related. One is just a women entrepreneur uh, mastermind group. Another one is real estate related. So, I mean, it can be for anything. It could be for a business owner. It could be for real estate. It could be for branding, marketing, you know, whatever your passion happens to be. Right. But I find that, you know, especially like it's like you mentioned for women, um, you know, being trained to be in that support role and knowing how to take care of things. We respond really well to having that accountability to an outside entity, whatever that outside entity is. Um, you know, so if you have that outside entity, that support group, that's going to say, you know what? You didn't contact four, four brokers this week. Like you said, you were, what happened? We need some, we need some reasons and some actions you're going to have that you're going to change for the following week to make sure you actually do what you say you're going to do, you know, and they can also have conversations centered around, you know, do you really want a rental? Are you just saying you want a rental because that's the only option, you know, or, you know, is there something bigger going on? So a really good mastermind group can really help guide you through that process not even so much like the logistics of it, just the mindset of it. Because if your mindset is not in a right place, you know, it's the same reason, you know, the people that win millions of dollars in the lottery end up usually broke within five to seven years yeah. because they didn't have the mindset to handle the money in the first place. And, and investing is no different. Right. Yeah. And anything, <laughs> anything is no different. Yeah. Right. Uh, seriously, anything. Uh, I learned that actually funny because, uh, you know, I obviously I have a business and you, you work through all your blocks and your mindset and you do your self development and you, you know, all these things that you didn't expect to have to do when you started the business Absolutely. in the first place. Right. And it's not even taught in school. So you're really just kind of right. flying blind and, you know, hoping for it. Yeah. And it just kind of slaps you in the face all of a sudden and you're like, Oh, Oh crap. Like I have to do this stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, you know, and then I started working with another, uh, a coach on something else in my life. And she was just pretty much saying to me all the same things that I tell my clients about mindset, except directing yes. it in the direction of what I was working with her on. I'm like, duh. You know? <laughs> yes. And, and that's really kind of the funny thing. Like we're <clears throat> so great at lifting other people up. We're so great at being accountable to other people, but turning that inwards and being accountable to ourselves and supporting ourselves and having that positive talk where, you know, you're not saying, Oh, I should have known that I'm so stupid. You know, you're having that, you're flipping the script and going, you know what, next time I'll be more prepared because now I know. Yeah, exactly. No failures, just lessons. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Alex, this has been an amazing conversation and I'm so glad that you came on and talked about this because honestly, I have not heard anybody talking about this. So I'm glad that you did. And what is the name of your Facebook group? Uh, the Facebook group is called Private Lending Lessons. Right. And uh, we hold weekly, you know, talks, various educational talks about everything from private lending to passive investing. And is it a right fit? Um, you know, we have we actually have national speakers coming in this month to talk about how to raise private capital, where to find private capital. Um, I mean, just all sorts of things. So it's really a good group for those who are active investors looking to, you know, work private lending into part of their business plan and people that are new to investing that think private lending might be the way to go for them for whatever reason. Awesome. And I do have the link to that. So we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes and tell everyone else where they tell everyone where else they can find you. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have a profile on LinkedIn and I check my messages routinely. So just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'm Alex Brashears on LinkedIn. And the Facebook group, uh, my, my name on Facebook is actually Alex Xander. So it starts with an X. And uh, that's because it reminds me every day of my why. I'm a horse person. Uh-huh. And my goal is to have a horse paid for by my passive investing. So it's kind of my way of every day. I, I literally see the name every day. So I'm reminded every day why I'm doing this. And it just helps reinvigorate me and energize me. If I happen to be having a slow sluggish day, I can literally look at my Facebook profile name and it's like, yep, that's what I'm doing this for. That's the you know bigger picture for me right now is getting back to what I love. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That, and that's a good, good, uh, good way to remember too. Right. Sometimes we forget our Absolutely. why a lot, you know, we can get so involved in the, in the quote unquote busy hustle bullshit that we put ourselves through that, you know, Oh yeah. It could be the, the, uh, the death of a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it really exactly. exactly. Like I got to learn marketing. I have to learn website. I can learn SEO. Like just, I just calm down. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. And you're like, but I just want to help people or I just want to do this. Like I don't right? want to do all those other things. Well, well, exactly. We're going to have to learn at least a little bit enough to be dangerous on how to do those other things until you can, you know, delegate it to somebody else and start building a team. So you, we wear multiple hats as entrepreneurs. Welcome to life. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Every problem is our problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. All right, Alex, any last words for any ladies listening today? If anybody wants to reach out to me, please feel free. Um, I'd be happy to set aside some time one-on-one to talk if that's less intimidating for you, um, to help you answer questions, you know, connect you with anybody that I think might be beneficial, uh, share resources for, you know, whatever it might be to get you closer to your goal. If that happens to be involved in real estate or just self-development or anything, I'm, I'm stuck at home and I'm an extra extrovert. Please contact me. I would love to talk to you. <laughs> Amazing. Alex just wants to talk. <laughs> right? My husband will be thankful. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Awesome. All right, Alex. Well, again, thank you for being here and I appreciate all your wisdom and all of your amazing talk. We had a great talk. I thank you. Yes. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.